Blessings come from God. Uh, I was thinking. We want to take this opportunity to welcome all our listeners on the 1060 AM dial KKVV. Uh, those who are joining us live online at www.abundantlifelv.org. Welcome once again to the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are delighted to have you. It's our pleasure. And we hope someday that you'll be able to join us in person. In fact, we will be having a special event here on site at the Abundant Life Church. We'll be having our Fall Revival, a youth-sponsored event, October 3rd to October 8th, entitled, Let Jesus In. We would love to have you partake of this wonderful spiritual revival and fest. Today we have a very, very impressive speaker, one who serves two hats. Uh, first, he's an associate pastor here at the Abundant Life Church and also our Abundant Life Christian Academy principal. Pastor Principal Holiday is a very intriguing and eccentric uh, uh, man who loves the Lord. 
he is happily married. And I like to say that because that's a good thing. And his wife is in the audience. Let's wave for us. Amen. Amen. They are married for a number of years, have been married for a number of years, and have three wonderful children. I've been pressed, I've, I have been impressed with him since we have met. Uh, he's somebody who is always optimistic. He exudes optimism. And so if you ever want to really get him not too happy, just mention something that's a little on the pessimistic side, and you see a different kind of a speaker. However, today he has a message to share with us as we celebrate stewardship, the faithfulness of God in the month of uh, September. His subject today is entitled, What Shall I Render? What Shall I Render? Before we hear from Brother Johnny Holiday, we will be favored with a sacred selection by the Abundant Life Christian Academy Choir. After which, we'll hear from Principal Associate Pastor Johnny Holiday. Hear ye him.
Testing one, two. Testing, testing. Can you hear me? Is this is on? Thank you. I guess it's good to make some confessions before I start. A uh, couple of them is one. Dr. White, they say when you get a little older, things will start happening. I can't see that those words on that screen. It's happening. I can't, I can't see the words. They're blurry, and that's amazing because it actually happened. So I, I understand it does happen. So it looks like glasses are coming pretty soon. Another confession, if you see me pulling up my pants, I usually wear suspenders and couldn't find them this morning. And so, uh, just be honest, so when it happens, you understand. Because I don't wear my pants low like some of these young men do. Of course, of course, at this point, they're a little too high, but, but I want to feel comfortable. I, I want to certainly take a moment and welcome our visitors as our senior pastor has done. So certainly welcome to all of our visitors. We are certainly glad that you are here. And I understand someone is even looking for a church home. Please, 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 we want you to hang around for a moment and speak to someone. Amen? Amen. Church, we want to do some, some hospitality here. Let's... Let's let the Holy Spirit talk and let's not let these people leave here. They've come here and we hope that this will become their church home. Amen. And also give a hearty amen to our children, to our young people, amen. to our young people. Amen. They've done such a wonderful job. We thank Ms. Stevenson for working with our young people. And we also want you to always remember our sick and shut in. Please, please continue to pray for them. Please. Continue to visit as many of you are doing. When I'm calling, I'm getting messages that many of you have come by. And so that's, that's awesome. We appreciate that. And that's a part of stewardship. We'll talk about that. I want to say that you've heard the saying as it relates to uh, the footprints in the sand. In many instances, many of us are doing things or moving about this world and we don't realize that it is only the Lord who's holding us up. Do you hear me, somebody? And you continue to hold on because I remember when I was a little boy, they used to say, a greater day is coming. And so I asked the Lord to hold me up because... Uh, uh, this work and this mission does not go without a lot of energy put into it. But if the Lord is with you, if he is your sustainer, you can do it. So if anyone out there is going through anything, just keep your head up. Keep your head up. Keep your head up. And look up to Jesus. That's where your strength will come from. Just take a moment and pray with me if you will bow your heads and ask the Holy Spirit's intervention. 
Now let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Father, hide behind me that someone may see you coming to the forefront, not with the words that I speak, but with the words of the Holy Spirit. Fill this place with the Holy Spirit. Release your Holy Ghost power upon the hearts of the people that they may be equipped to receive the word of God. And now, Father in heaven, take a sinner such as I and use me for a time such as this. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that everyone under the umbrella of my voice say, Amen. If you would take a moment and turn your text, turn your Bible to the text Psalms 116. 116 and verses 12 through 14. 116 and verses 12 through 14. If you have it, say amen. amen. What shall I render unto the Lord? For all his benefits toward me, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. This morning, I want to speak to you on a subject that you've already heard entitled, What Shall I Render? What Shall I Render? This week we are placing emphasis on stewardship. And it's apparent without insulting the intelligence of you saints that many associate this term with money. Amen? I said and I'll say again, not to insult your intelligence, but when you hear the word stewardship, most of us associate this term with the word money. Amen? But let us set, let us set the premise by taking a look at the noun steward, the root word of stewardship. The term steward has to do with a person who manages another's property or financial affairs. Did you hear me? Steward can be such as a plane or ship attendant, someone who attends to passengers on an aircraft or ship or manages provisions aboard the aircraft or ship. Are you with me thus far? One who administers anything as the agent of another or others. Listen at that noun, agent. One who acts as a representative for another. A person who has charge of the household of another. I'm establishing premises for Stewardship, buying or obtaining goods, directing servants, a person who attends to the domestic concerns of persons on board a vessel. Are you with me, church? As in overseeing maids and waiters, oversee, remember that verb, an employee on a ship, train or bus who waits on and is responsible for the comfort of passengers, takes orders for the distribu distribution of food. 
all the aforementioned lends itself to the fact that we don't own anything. I need to tell you, all that you just heard lends itself to the fact that we don't own anything. Whatever it may be is placed in your care for a limited time and expectations and responsibility placed on you by the Almighty. I submit to you, no matter what you're driving, you don't own it. I submit to you, and it's amazing to me when people say they own their home. If you don't have the title, you don't own it. Miss three payments, and I guarantee you they take it. You don't own it. And that's relevant to the secular world because in the end, all of it doesn't matter. You don't own it. That's quite interesting. People think they own things. First Peter 4.10 admonishes to us, as every man has received the gift, even so ministers the same to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. First Chronicles, David says to the Lord, thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the power and the power and the glory, both riches and honor come from thee and of thine own we have given thee. Psalms 50 tells us that all things, including ourselves, do not belong to us, but belong to God. Amen. Did you hear me? You don't even own the breath you just took. You just borrowed some air from God without interest. You don't even own the breath you just took. You don't even own the heartbeat you just had. Our heartbeat, if normal, just to beat approximately 72 times per minute, just pump blood to remove waste that we don't need, just pump blood to the brain to receive the necessary oxygen and glucose, just pump blood to the muscles to receive oxygen, glucose, and amino acids, the proper ratio of sodium, calcium, and potassium salts, just pump blood to the glands that require a sufficient supply of raw materials from which to manufacture the specific secretions. All that just took place is a special loan from God to you. Just a special loan from God to you. You think you own something. And we fussing about this little money. <laughs> this little money we worry so much about. Have mercy. We're going to talk about it because don't get it twisted as the kids say. He said, occupy until he returns. I'm not saying that a dollar is not important. Let's be real. Somebody got to be real with you all. Because, see, I'm going to tell you about all the things that we learned about money in the church and in the homes that we were taught, all the errors that we were taught about money. Are we going to talk about that? You know, the eye of a needle, you know, you know, you know, all the stuff that make you don't want any. Somebody got to tell you the truth. We don't own time, talent, or tithe. I said we don't own time, talent, or tithe. We have only been entrusted with this by God. 
Our obedience, and in most cases, our lack of harmony with God affects how we handle what has been given to us to manage, oversee, and supervise. We have been entrusted to manage, oversee, and supervise something that don't belong to us. That's why it's so important in marriage when you have all these fights going on and people saying, you know, you got to be careful. Don't say walk behind me. You got to say walk beside me. You know, you say that wrong and, you, you know, the Bible and dealing with obey your husband and all this and all that. And you have all kinds of problems with that because people are misinterpreting and the contextualization of what's going on in the word of God is all mixed up sometimes. Because if you understand loving your wife, the Bible says love your wife as Christ loved the church. Therefore, as a man has to make a decision, he'll go down on his knees and he will pray and he will say, God, help me to make the right decision so that I can do right by this woman and if a man's mind and heart is right there then he will go into it with trepidation before he makes a decision and comes home with a brand new car and never had a conversation with his wife a wife is something God gives you that you don't own you don't own her you don't own her I'm trying to help somebody with the marriage this morning I'm trying to help somebody. God said, and it let us understand, I submit to you that there are four major facets of stewardship. Four, if you got your pens, get ready to write them. Time, talent, temple, and tithe. Time, talent, temple, and tithe. Four major facets. I'm going to give you four points, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to sit me down. First point, what shall I render unto the Lord? The time he has afforded me. Our time belongs to God. Every moment of it is his. The value of time is beyond computation. Once time is gone, it's gone. Once time leaves, it's over. It can never return. It is gone. Haven't you not looked back on something you've done and say, you know, I tell when I was dealing with the upper grade level kids in high school and we used to talk later on. And then when you meet people older and they dated somebody for 15 years and they say, oh, look at all the time I wasted. And then they meet their wife for two weeks and get married. Look at all the time I wasted. You ever saw the movie called The Ditch Digger's Daughter? And the ladies, the Dick Jigger's daughter, he tried to do everything he could for his kids. He, the man even dug the foundation of a home on the other side of the railroad track so that his kids could go to the schools that he wanted them to go to that he felt was more proficient for what they needed. And he had that one child. We all got that one child. That one child that just wouldn't act right. And when she finally got that degree and became a doctor, and she said, Daddy, after she did everything that she could do, you know how we do sometimes. We only come to the Lord when we're about to lose it or when we're about to go to the grave. Then we say, woe is me, oh, Lord. After it's all over, then we call on the Lord. And she did everything she could under the sun. And then she came and said to Daddy, I got the stethoscope, you know. And the man was hard. He looked at his daughter and he said, but look at all the time you wasted. Anybody saw that? 
Look at all the time you wasted. Our time is precious. Life is too short to be trifled away. We have but a few days of probation, before probation. Probation is taking place right now. You don't have time to waste. You don't have time to waste. And understand when you talk about stewardship, it's not always about this green stuff that you're so concerned about. The word of God says, have you fed my hungry? Come on, church family. Have you visited the sick? Stewardship is what I'm talking about. Have you gone out and taken care of someone who needs you? Stewardship is what I'm talking about. Have you put some time into that which is important? The Bible speaks to, have you been shepherding the sheep? Have you been shepherding the sheep? We worried about that green stuff. Some people may not even have a job at this time, but it does not, it does not cause you to be immune from doing some good with the physical strength that God has given you. Money is not always happiness, people. I know some married folk with plenty of money and very unhappy. And I know some poor folk with no money and the happiest people you want to meet. We're talking about stewardship. What are you doing with your time? Are you visiting the sick? Are you calling someone who just needs to talk with you? Don't you know there's research that speaks to elders, and I mean elders, elders, who just want someone to talk with them. Just hold a conversation with them. We're talking about stewardship. Stewardship. Time. I remember in college, countless hours wasted playing spade. <laughs> And someone looks at me like I'm crazy when I tell them I don't know how to play spade. I never played a game of spade in my life. Don't know how to play it. Not that I was thinking about the time, I just had no interest in it. Because it just seemed like something I could have been doing. I'm just kind of thinking, you know, I could be doing something. Countless hours you can't get back. There was a paper done once on the amount of time students spend in college playing spades. True statement. Will this time be expedited, concentrating on why the glass is half empty or half full? Some people spend more time at what's wrong and very little time at what's right. True statement. I remember when I was in the public schools, they used to tell me I, I saw things through the through the glass, you know, I always say, I'm, I always saw it, you know, I didn't see the problems. But I saw the problems. It's just that I've been taught, if God is for me, who can be against me? Yeah. See, we just say it. But if you've been taught it and you live it, why are you so negative? Why are you so negative? And yet you're always talking about, if Christ is for me, who can be against me? With Christ, all things are possible. But out the same breath, you've got 15 negative statements to make. The brother told you that I, how I am about negativity, so he didn't lie. 
I'm just talking about the word of God that you read. You say, if Christ is for me, who can be against me? That's what the word of God says. So where are you spending your time on whether the glass is half empty or half full? Or will you do like Jesus does when it comes to, well, at some point, there are those who, instead of trying to meet people where they need, their needs are, impress people based on their biblical intellectual prowess. Uh, but what would Jesus do when Jesus met someone? Jesus first met their immediate needs. He warned their confidence, and then he bade them, follow me. Am I telling the truth? I'm just telling you what the word of God says. But if you're concentrating on how good you're looking, when you're trying to, if you're trying to save a soul, you got to put Jesus in front of you, remove you away from all of this intellectual prowess that you think is doing something. Do you know some of the most sophisticated, eloquent speakers can get up and speak all day long, but if the Holy Spirit is not inside him or her, it means nothing. Not one soul will come to Christ if the Holy Spirit does not accompany that person. It doesn't matter how eloquent of speech you might be. It does not matter. It reminds me of Moses. Moses couldn't speak, but the Lord said, that's all right. That's all right. That's all right, Holiday. You didn't go to Andrews. That's all right. You didn't go to Oakwood. That's all right. But I got a school for you, son. I got a school for you. Ain't no school like the Bible school. Oakwood College can't do this. Andrews can't do this. Loma Linda can't do this. Can't nobody do this but Jesus. Can't nobody do this but Jesus. No, you didn't go to school for it. But he said, I'll put something into you. I'll put it in you, and it'll come out like you've never seen it before. That's why when you look at old people who've never gone to school can read the Bible better than you with your three degrees. Because there's a Jesus. There's a Jesus who will take you. And if you open up your heart, Jesus said no matter where you come from, what walk of life, no matter your socio status, he can give you what you need, the gift that he gives you. He will bring the Holy Spirit upon you and you will do greater things than anyone who's gone to school for it. That's the God I serve. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. Second point, what shall I render unto the Lord? The talent he has afforded me. All are called to service for God and for the manner in which they have met this claim. All will be required to render an account at the great judgment day. Christ's followers have been redeemed for service. Our Lord teaches that the true objective of life is ministry. The true objective of life is ministry. Christ himself was a worker. And to his followers, he gives the law of service, service to God and to their fellow man. It is not for us to get what God is giving us here and keep it inside this building. That's why, you know, they don't like to talk about him. But that's why Dr. King, if you know the history, everybody think about Dr. King in Atlanta. That ain't where it started. Started in Alabama. They put him out. Did you know that? They put him out because he was raising Cain. Because he had all the good vegetarian eaters right there before him. 
What is it for us to come here every Sabbath and we're looking at the same faces? The mission of the church is to go ye out into the world and take God's word and tell of his saving grace. That's the mission of the church. Therefore, the church should be bombarded with new faces coming in because we're out there doing Bible studies, praying on our knees, talking to the Lord, saying, Lord, before you come, go ye out into the entire world and bring the people to Christ. That's what the church is about. That is the mission of the church. That's why you don't need to major in minors. <laughs> Upset with this committee and that committee. That's why I'm going to go ahead and confess and tell y'all something. You know why I walk so fast all the time? <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and tell you. You know why I do this? You know why I do this all the time? Because I don't want to hear that stuff you're talking about. <laughs> if it ain't about what we need, I don't want to hear That's why I walk. That's it. If it ain't about Christ, if it ain't positive to do what we need to do, that's why I walk fast, and you can't keep up with me. Now, if you want to talk about something, let's deal with the Lord, let's get right, let's get together, let's be a team, let's work, then we can talk. But other than that, that's why I walk fast. That's why I walk fast. Because I am going to keep my eye on the Lord. I'm not going to let you turn it around. I'm going to keep my eye on the Lord and keep moving forward. And when he gets ready to sit you down, he will sit you down. When he's ready to sit me down, he'll sit me down. I know that. I know that. Not being braggadocious or any of that. Just dealing with reality. What should we learn? If you have talent, tell us that all men do not receive the same gifts. But to every servant of the master, some gifts of the spirit is promised. You know in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 and 11, it speaks to the gifts that were given. We must understand that learning Talents, eloquence, every natural or acquired endowment may be possessed. But without the presence of the Holy Spirit, no heart will be won to Christ. Without the presence of the Holy Spirit. But all who surrender to Christ and become members of his church, no matter what nationality, social or economic status, or even intellectual attainments, have the assurance that the Holy Spirit will equip them with the ability to perform their Christian duties with a high degree of effectiveness. Remember, there are those who have talents, but tend to make decisions on when they will use God's given gift. Will you sing with the choir? Well, I don't really like the mass choir, but I'll sing with the, this choir. Well, I don't really like the choir director. So I won't use God's gift because I have some personal issues. I know truth hurts sometimes. I have to deal with it too. I know. God gives you talents to use. Pastor Lee was, I had never heard the word no so much in my life. I've never heard the word no so much in my life. I'm talking about when it comes to doing the Lord's work, you can at least say, let me pray about it. No. Would you love something? No. You know, you have to wonder about that. You know, you have to like, you know, a long time ago, Arsenio Hall used to say, make you say, hmm. 
Well, y'all, you know. Third point. Third point. What shall I render unto the Lord, the temple he has afforded me? Anything that's less physical strength, anything that lessens physical strength enables the mind and makes it less capable of discriminating between right and wrong. The misuse of our physical powers shortens the period of time in which our lives can be used for the glory of God. And it unfits us to accomplish the work of God and that God has given us to do. Know ye, says the Apostle Paul, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are brought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now listen to that part. In your spirits. As I'm preaching and asking the Holy Spirit to work with me up here, I'm talking to me also. Amen? Amen. Let us be clear. This not jump on your case day. Because I look at my own spirit. Let me beat up on me a minute. And I ask myself, Somebody, don't even raise your hand if it's the truth. Just keep it to yourself. How did I appear to this person? Did I have a spirit that says God is living in me? It's something you have to deal with. And I thank God that at least there's a moment of reflection, Pastor, that you can at least reflect on you and say, am I exemplifying a spirit that someone would look at me and say, is God living in that person? Or am I biting people's heads off? Mean spirit. That's not the God we serve. The God we serve, even when, when there was problems, when he said, when, when, when the prostitute was about to be stoned and, and God knew all the sins, Jesus knew all the sins of all those, he did not just start pointing and telling people off and said, I'm going to get you straight and I'm going to get you straight and I'm going to get you straight. God just did this. He just started writing so you could see what's going on with you. He didn't make it public, mean-spirited. He just started writing so you can see what's going on. What am I saying? Stewardship. Stewardship. Our temple has to do with stewardship. How we treat this body. The fourth and final point, as the pianos come up, the fourth and final point. What shall I render unto the Lord, the tithe and offering that he has afforded me? Our tithe and offering are biblical keys to true and faithful Christian stewardship. There's a Greek word that says okonomos, supervising what is not yours. Supervising what is not yours. Blessing of faithfulness in stewardship. To give the four T's that I mentioned, time, talent,
one must understand if you are faithful in stewardship it will save us from a sin of coveting why do you want what I want or what I have that's not necessary you don't have to want what I have because you know I used to hear guys say man if I had your hands I would be the man I look them back in the eye and say, if you had my hands, you'd be working all the time. You'd be busy. Do you really want these hands? Don't covet your neighbors. You don't know whether what your neighbor has that you're saying you want. Faithful stewardship. It will save you from dishonesty. Faithful stewardship can create an unselfishness in us. Do you know Giving the 10% is not about whether you have it. It's simply about obedience. That's all it's about. God just wants to see if you are obedient. It's his anyway. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your money. And I promise you, I remember there were times years ago when there was this conflict with giving him what's his already. God has a way of dealing with us. When you kept that little money, God blow on it. It's like everything you thought went wrong went wrong when you didn't pay it. Car broke down. Daughter needed something. Hot water heater went out. Lights off. Got to pay this, got to pay that. God blow on that little money. Say, give me mine. Give me mine. That's mine. That's holy. That's holy. Don't even touch it. Faithfulness keeps you from being unselfish. It will bring a blessing to us both spiritually and materially. The book of Malachi does say that he will give you a blessing that you won't have room enough to, re to receive it. And he said, I'll open up the windows. He didn't say the doors. See, when you look at it, God is something else, boy. Look at this. You got doors right here. But he said, look, I will give you so much that the doors is not enough. I need all the windows. We need all the windows. The windows, all the windows. Open up the windows because the doors are not enough. That's the kind of God we serve. I remember, I remember, I'll tell you a story and I'll sit down. I remember when I was a little boy. That's why it speaks to in Matthew 25, 31 and 34, the importance of teaching even your young people how to tithe. Teaches them responsibility right now. It teaches them obedience right now. And it teaches them not to depend on themselves, but to depend on God. You teach them now, I remember as a little boy, I would get a dollar and I would give a dime to the church. I remember getting $5, I would give 50 cents. I remember $10, I would give a dollar. And I remember getting my little statement at the end of the year. Took me a whole year to get me a little statement, about $5 for the year. Oh, I was so proud I had my little statement. Couldn't file anything, you know, couldn't file any taxes. But it just reminds me, I was being obedient, like Sister Ross was being obedient after the matter with the snake. But I was being obedient, obedient to God 
Why not be obedient to a God that, that when, when the wind is and, 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 and the waters are having an argument and they're fussing at one another and Jesus is sleeping and he wakes up and he walks to the end of the vessel and he says, wind, shut up. Water, be still. That's the kind of God we obey. Obeying a God that, that walks to a liquid that doesn't have any taste, and yet God walks to this liquid, and with red plush, he says, be sweet and turn to wine. Turning water into wine. That's the kind of God that gives orders. The kind of God that says to a man that's been down in a grave, his body is decomposing and people walk up and Jesus, you're late. He said, but show me the body. Show me the body. There it is. With a napkin on his face. Said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus raises up. That's the kind of God we serve. Some scholars say that Jesus had to use the proper noun, Lazarus, because if he would have just said, come forth, the whole world would have got up. The whole world would have got up. That's the kind of God we serve. The whole world would have raised up those who were righteous in the Lord would have got up, but he had to use the proper noun. Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus got up and came forth. My appeal to you. If you are interested and giving God your time, talent, dealing with your temple and your tithe, stand to your feet this morning. Your time, talent, temple and tithe, stand to your feet this morning. Now church, I need you to pray with me. And I need all heads bowed and we're going to ask if there's someone here this morning who understands how important stewardship is. It's not about what we're always dealing with, this money and this green stuff. But stewardship was about obedience. Stewardship is about a relationship with God. Stewardship is about time. It's about your talent. It's about the time. And it's certainly about your temple. Just raise your hand if you want to be baptized into this faith. You have tired of playing with it. You're saying, God, I want to come home. Come down, young lady. Come down. This is what it's all about right here. It's about the first fruit. This is the first fruit. This is what our Lord and Savior wants to see happening. The church mission is to bring forth people to the Lord. Keep praying, church. It's time for playing games with the Lord. Yes, we come every Sabbath. No, we're not perfect. We make errors. I may have made some errors today. I pray the Holy Spirit convict me. But God knows, and I say publicly, that I love him, and I ask for mercy on my soul for anything I've said or done to anyone. Keep praying, church.
Is there someone else? The Holy Spirit is speaking to me. There's one more person in here. If you're afraid, you need to grab someone's hand and, and have them walk down with you. But the Holy Spirit is speaking this morning. There's somebody else out there. The Holy Spirit is speaking. Have mercy. Have mercy. Jesus is talking this morning. I know it's not me. Praise his holy name. Have mercy. Oh, give God the glory this morning, church family. If nothing else happens in this church, let's save souls. We're going to ask Pastor Lee Wars to come up. Give us prayer. Pray for the souls that have come down and pray for all of us here. Maybe there are still some people here today. You're looking for a church family. We do have a tear off here, a little form that I'd like you to fill out. And let's put your name on it. We'll get in touch with you. Sister Bible worker, just raise your hand with those forms. Just raise it. And if you'd like one of these forms to fill it out, right now, the Bible workers will join you. Just raise your hand wherever you are. See a sister, you got one already. Those who are here, they have theirs already. But if, if there's someone else here today who would like Bible studies, you have heard the word 